Welcome to the Bootleg Gathering Podcast. Today's episode starts right now. Scripture reading for tonight is found in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23. It says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before any of them came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, we aren't here to start a church. We simply gather as the church Jesus started. And our prayer tonight is the veil between heaven and earth would be worn thin by praise and worship and your promise and your desire to be with us. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. May my words be yours in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, James and Thea, for leading worship tonight. You guys can have a seat for a little bit. And you can find James and Thea at Community Bible Church in Knoxville where they lead worship every Sunday. They do an awesome job over there. And thank you, Clara, my daughter, and her friends, Leslie and Jill. I don't know where you can find them on Sundays, but I'm glad they're here tonight. And Tim Holmes on the organ. Wow. That is just awesome. Thank you, Tim. If you missed the the prelude, there'll be a postlude uh, right after the service here. You can hear him every Sunday at Faith Lutheran in Watauga. So... And I want to thank our our Swedish Lutheran friends um, for just allowing us to use this beautiful facility uh, tonight. Um, Thank you for your generosity and uh, thank you for your ministry on this corner of Knox County for what will be, I believe, 150 years in 2020. That's amazing. So thank you guys for... uh, for that. And thank you all for, for being here. Your presence is a blessing to me, and I, I really hope that you find this time to be valuable, and I've been praying uh, that perhaps in a few minutes when we leave, we'll all desire to look a little more like Jesus. So um, before we go downstairs for cookies and cocoa, which I'm super excited about, um, we're going to share in communion. And before we do that, I just want to share a single challenge. Uh, that I pray will help us center our hearts um, as we head into this Advent season. And I have to confess, growing up in a good Baptist home, um, we didn't really do the Advent thing. So some of you may be kind of further ahead in this Advent season than than I am. For us, um, Advent was just a countdown calendar with little pieces of chocolate that kind of 
kept us looking forward to the arrival of Santa Claus. And uh, for my kids, it's a Lego calendar um, that they get from their grandma and grandpa, and they fight over who can build today's Lego. But has anybody put up their Christmas tree yet? Anybody done that? A few of you? Anybody already listening to Christmas music? I know Wingo is. He's been listening since <laughs> Halloween. Um, so yeah, that, if you're doing that, then, then that's an indication that you may be participating in Advent. Okay? So for those of you like me, let me just give you a quick definition. Advent is the joyful anticipation of the coming of Christ into our world at Christmas time. And I love the reason that this time of year was chosen to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And that was because the winter solstice, being the darkest day of the year for the Northern Hemisphere, and Advent is the joyful anticipation of the light of the world, Jesus Christ, coming into our world. Emmanuel, God with us. I recently heard a pastor and theologian speak at a chapel service during a college visit uh, for my daughter Clara, and he used an illustration that has given me some fresh insights into the gospel and the reality of Emmanuel. And I'm still trying to unpack it and wrestle with that reality. He described the movie The English Patient, which I've, I've never seen, so here I am, I'm giving you an illustration from a movie I've never seen, so forgive me for this illustration. And from what I've heard about it, I actually still have no desire to see it. Um, so don't hear this as an endorsement. But if I get it right, Jeffrey is married to Catherine, and Catherine has an affair with Laszlo. And they're in this Egyptian desert on an archaeological dig where all this uh, takes place. And Jeffrey finds out about the affair. And he tries to kill Laszlo while landing his plane in the desert, but he misses. And he kills himself instead and injures his wife, Catherine. So Laszlo, having witnessed this, um, takes Catherine and hides her in a cave for shelter. And then he begins this walk to Cairo, which is about a three days journey. Um, little did he know that she died just a couple of days after he left. So if, if, I, if I get this right, Jeffrey is married to Catherine, he dies, and Laszlo is now on his way to Cairo. Um, that's the take that this Reverend Sam Wells gives on, on this movie. But then he asks an interesting question. Would Laszlo had been better off being with her while she died than spending the last days of her life trying to fix her when she couldn't be fixed? And does the church of Jesus Christ spend too much time trying to fix rather than being with? And then he takes us to Emmanuel. And he says, Emmanuel isn't just for a couple of weeks at Christmas, it's for the whole year round. God with us. Jesus was with us. And he looks at the life of Jesus, the life that we have to model, and he takes an interesting statistical take on it. You see, Jesus spent 30 years of his life seemingly doing nothing. Three years working with a motley crew of disciples, and then a couple of days near the end of his life, fixing something that was broken. And boy, did he fix it. I mean, we've been singing about that 
tonight. But 99% of his life was just being with. The three years of his ministry was just being with. Like he says to Zacchaeus, he says, you know, memorize these verses. And no, he doesn't say that. He says, come down out of that tree. I'm going to have lunch with you. He doesn't send him up a few verses to memorize. He actually just says, I'm going to be with you. Zacchaeus' life is transformed that day. Emmanuel. For nearly 20 years, I worked in, in the family business downtown Galesburg, and uh, it's right on the square, and I, I loved our location. I, I, I loved the sounds, the ringing of the bell at the Congregational Church, the ringing of the bells at, at Knox College. Um, I loved the smells, the restaurant griddles starting to warm up around lunchtime, uh, innkeepers roasting their coffee, and if the wind was blowing out in the right direction, you'd smell that, that coffee starting to roast, and I loved the traffic zipping around the, the circle and all the noise that went along with that, and I loved how the first snow of the year made everything go quiet. The old fountain in the middle of the square, the Main Street workers watering the hanging plants. I loved the people that would walk by. Did anybody know Nina Mooberry? Anybody? Nina Mooberry was just, I think she was like 120, but she had calves like of steel because she just walked all the time. And she would come by our shop and she picked up all of our empty soda pop cans. And we're told that she took them to her little Lutheran church for their fundraiser or whatever. And she did that for years. And in exchange for that, she would make us some of her lemon cake. And it didn't have any icing on it. It was just a, a plain sheet of lemon cake and she would tell us every time as if it was the first time we were hearing it the reason it's so moist is because instead of using water I substitute lemon lime soda pop it was hilarious she was awesome and then there was Sonny his real name was Gerald Young he was a black man in his 70s and he still delivered the register mail newspaper to the downtown businesses and Sonny had this smile that covered like 35% of his face with snow white teeth and the darkest part of his eyes were also kind of growing white. He had severe glaucoma and I don't know how or when I first met Sonny. I think we were loading a truck with plate glass and he stopped on his route to talk and he had a severe stutter and when he got excited the combination of uh, his smile and his stutter just made it impossible to understand but not to discourage him and his obvious joy, we would just kind of nod our heads and agree and smile. And he lived by himself on the third floor of Whiting Hall, right behind the library. But he grew up in a house that used to stand right between our glass shop and the old Harrington home. The old Harrington home was the uh, Galesburg orphanage for years. And he would talk about how sometimes the orphans at the Harrington home would kind of kick the ball over the wooden fence that separated his house from the Harrington home, and, and just how much he, he loved kicking the ball back to them. And if you haven't figured out from my description, Sonny was mentally challenged to some degree, and the stories that he would tell, uh, kind of the perspective that he had on life indicated that his mother probably had done all she could to protect him from the cruel world. He told me when he was little that, that his job was to go into the Willis Steel Factory right across from Hanson Lumber. And when he was little, I think he said, 
um, he would go in while it was still dark in the morning. And he would get all the little coal stoves all throughout that factory stoked with fresh coal so that the factory would be warm when the workers came in. Just a fascinating guy. Somehow I ended up in his apartment one day. We, we used to replace the glass in Whiting Hall and the balances that held up those big, big sashes. And I was in his apartment one day. And uh, I remember just seeing like the boxes of hamburger helper piled up on the counter and, and the crusty pans and pots uh, in the sink. And after that, when he would come by, uh, I would just, if I was in the middle of lunch, I would just like share half my sandwich with him. And he would always accept it. And occasionally, I'd kind of get out ahead of myself, and I'd actually, when I went to get my lunch, I'd buy him his own bag of food or his own, his own lunch. And so um, when he would come by, we would chat for a little, and I'd just hand him a bag with a meal, and he'd take it, and he'd put it in his big, empty newspaper bag, uh, and, and he'd take it back to his apartment, and he would eat it. So years of this, to the point where it became pretty routine for myself and the other employees to just welcome Sonny into our glass shop for a quick story and a snack. And, and Sonny had a faith in Jesus. We did talk about that. But his faith was simple and probably no deeper than Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, or whatever, whatever level he could remember from his mother's influence. But Sonny absolutely inspired me. And on my worst days, I would see him walk by with that smile. And I would just think, if he can smile at what life has given him, now what, what do I have to complain about? Well, one day I got the brilliant idea that, that I should invite Sonny over to our house for dinner. And, and I don't know why I didn't start a little bit smaller with just a simple midweek casual dinner. But for whatever reason, I invited Sonny over for Christmas brunch. And uh, Jenna and my parents were very kind, but they had to be a little in shock that I would invite Sonny to invade our very private family Christmas tradition. And by this time, Sonny was no longer delivering papers. Uh, he tripped a few times, and uh, he, he actually, uh, uh, I don't think he told anyone, but um, he, he had limited eyesight. He'd walked out in front of a few cars, and I think the Register Mail had received a few calls uh, from concerned, concerned citizens. And I remember taking my oldest son and going on Christmas Day to pick up Sonny at, at Whiting Hall. And back then you had to go to the back lobby area and pick up the phone and dial the room number. And he came down and he was kind of dressed up a little bit, but you could tell he, he was nervous because he was leaving all the security that he had known and his mother had taught him to trust. And he was like taking a risk. He was going to someone's house for brunch. And so Sonny wouldn't be left out of Christmas fun. We, we actually had the kids purchase some gifts, and, and we wrapped them up. We wrote Sonny on the label. Here's a photo of that. I don't know if he's got that photo there. There's Sonny. There's Clara giving him one of his gifts. I think he got deodorant, um, a pair of socks, and a pocket knife that year. And Sonny was 78 in that picture. Uh, he passed away recently at the age of 90. And, he, and here's where I'm headed with this story. I believe for many years, Sonny got to a point in his life where he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was for him, that, that I would do things for him, that I would buy lunch for him. He, he maybe would even go by our little glass shop and look at the sign on, on, the, on the building, and he would have this 
perhaps feeling at an organizational level that, you know, that place is for me. But something shifted in Sonny's heart and mind when we helped him into our truck and we drove him to our home and we helped him up our steps and we sat at the dinner table and we ate together. Sonny experienced a family that was with him. And that experience had a profound impact, not just on our family, but on Sonny. In fact, Sonny made some choices a few days after that Christmas day that would put him in closer proximity with other people so that he could do life with others for his final years. So if it was good enough for God to just be for us, he wouldn't have needed to promise and provide Emmanuel, God with us. For is safer, with is risky, and Jesus understood that. And there, there's nothing wrong with for. Um, we need to do for more, right? For is great, but with is greater. With is greater than for. And I, I truly believe the reality of Emmanuel absolutely changes the way we understand and live out the gospel. It changes the way we view discipleship. Perhaps the way we understand our relationship with Jesus and the way we understand our relationship with the people that we love the most and the people we think are the most unlike us. I mean, this understanding could turn a church budget upside down. It'll change the way you parent, the way you grandparent. If the right people got a hold of this, it could change government policy. I mean, who knows? It might change where we live or who we have over for dinner or the way we finish out our lives. With is greater than for. And my single challenge for us is to allow this reality to just simply invade every part of our lives for the next 23 days. Maybe it's a napkin drawing and a conversation starter, like asking our kids, hey, what would it look like to embrace an expression of our family this season that took this into account? Take an action step. Do an experiment. Or maybe it's just a private note in the margin of your Bible next to Matthew 123. I would love for you to wrestle with that reality with me. Emmanuel, God with us. With is greater than for. Uh, there's a second part to Advent, and you guys are way ahead of me. You know this already, and I'm still learning. The first is the anticipation of the coming of Christ to this world at the Nativity. The other is the joyful preparation of the promise of Christ's second coming. As the worship team comes back up, uh, we're going to turn our focus to that which Jesus called us to when he said to his disciples around a table, when you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. So I'm going to ask Jenna to come and, and she's going to help me. She's going to join me. And I'm going to invite anyone who would like to participate in communion to kind of just wait until Ray and Kirsten uh, invite your rows to come forward and uh, invite you to just kind of tear off a piece of bread and uh, dip it into the grape juice, examining your heart, reflecting 
on Christ on the cross and remembering that even what Jesus did for us on that day was so that we could ultimately be with him in eternity. So Father, we just ask you right now that you would bless this bread and this cup. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son. We do this in remembrance of him until he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening today. To stay in the loop with the Bootleg Gathering, go to thebootleggathering.com.